This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you all. Yep, Monday morning, a busy weekend to reflect on, and that's why we'll be going to Birmingham twice in the first hour. Hopefully we'll be talking to Guy Havelt uh, and to Charlton Anna as a review of the Sevens, and uh, with Guy in particular, just a reflection on what a wonderful weekend it's been for New Zealand athletes uh, over there. It's just uh, been outstanding in the pool, um, you know, on the track, on the track cyclists, just brilliant. So uh, we'll uh, do that in the first hour. Then after that, uh, we might just uh, free up the lines just after 10 o'clock and uh, ask for some calls from uh, your people and your reflections of the weekend sport. Uh, 10.20, just after Jamie Wall and Hamish Bidwell will be on the panel this morning. Uh, and then uh, around about uh, 11.05, we'll catch up with our great friend Andrew Voss over the weekend. Some really interesting results and happenings in the NRL, which just makes it uh, a little bit more interesting, I think it's fair to say, uh, going forward. I don't think it's uh, a done deal just yet, maybe. So that's what our morning looks like, going through to 12 o'clock when we hand over to Mark Stafford. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy Sermon. We're just four days into the Commonwealth Games and it ticks all the boxes. It's been a raging success so far. Organisation tick, atmosphere and crowd participation tick. Never better illustrated than the Sevens competition. Absolutely engaging. What a party, just like the old days. South African men absolutely clinical. The Australian women the same, very dominant. The Fiji, the preferred darlings, never are really allowed to get their flow but two silvers nonetheless for the seven sisters and their male counterparts, two bronze medals. I'll bet that they'll regard that as a fail. There's a decidedly fickle nature about seven, so it probably doesn't warrant the same scrutiny as befits the Black Ferns 15s or the All Blacks. So there might not be, there might be the odd retirement, but there's unlikely to be any mass sackings or any deep, deep inquiry. Organisation or official and wise, uh, they have made one massive error though and it goes against the grain of the spirit these games are reflecting denying Elise Andrews her silver medal because of her absence on the podium to collect it plus fining her and docking her some UCI points to boot is bizarre unnecessary and unfair we can only hope common sense will prevail here I mean she wasn't there to compete in that event just helping out some teammates so they could it was a medal she was never planning or expecting so she probably won't miss it and that's why she should get it. She's replaced it with a gold, and all the best to uh, Elise Andrews going forward. What great team sport uh, and great, uh, great support of your teammates um, at some cost. Four days done, a week to go, and more glorious booty to come. I think it's going to be a game to remember.
Well, this weekend has seen New Zealand come away with a flurry of medals in the opening days of the 2022 Birmingham Commonwealth Games, resulting in sleepless nights for Kiwi sports fans, myself included. So from the pool to the velodrome to uh, the triathlon, rugby sevens, hockey and more, it's been a thrilling smorgasbord of sport thus far. Currently, New Zealand sits third on the medal table with 10 golds, 5 silver and 4 bronze. And second, a host uh, England with 11 golds. And predictably, the Australians are first with a whopping 21 golds so far. Joining us now is uh, one news reporter, Guy Havelt, uh, who is uh, on the ground over there. Uh, Guy, fantastic uh, performance by New Zealand so far. You were on the ground for Hayden Wild's triathlon and that dramatic finish. Has there been any further update on the appeal process there, mate? Yeah, g'day, Smithy. Good to chat to you. You speak about sleepless nights. Uh, I had two hours last night while I was trying to work through everything that was going on from the swimming. So uh, it's been relentless times, but I wouldn't have it any other way. It's been outstanding. Uh, and to see the Kiwis do so well in the early stages has been fantastic as well. On Hayden Wild, uh, we spoke to him uh, straight after the mixed team relay today, uh, just for a quick update on, on everything. Um, he said that he made it clear that... Um, Triathlon New Zealand were the ones who actually uh, decided to make the appeal, so it was kind of out of his hands. Uh, I don't know if he was entirely keen to do it, but um, they they went ahead with it and, and made the appeal. Um, so that was interesting, and he said that uh, you know they've got people working back home in New Zealand on it as well. So it's kind of gone up another level, I think, um, to uh, to try and see if they can get something out of it. Look, I was there, obviously, as you say, on the day and there for the race and. Uh, pedantic is one word for it. Uh, it was um, it was a bit over the top. I thought. I mean, I don't know how that alters the the course of a race. Um, I don't even think you. I mean, you couldn't even see that he had unclipped the helmet if he indeed had. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was very very rough, and it, and it actually robbed the Commonwealth Games of having a truly fantastic, uh, exciting spectacle of a race. Uh, it would have been unbelievable um, to see Alex Yee and Hayden Wild go head-to-head and go toe-to-toe, uh, and the race was robbed of that, unfortunately. Um, look, Hayden doesn't want to take anything away from Alex Yee. He doesn't want him to lose his gold medal. Uh, they just all feel like he probably deserved it as well. Yeah, I've I got to say, um, he, he's handled it brilliantly, Hayden Wild, um, throughout um, the course of it. And, of course, uh, it was business as usual, getting back and involved uh, with uh, the teams, the mixed teams uh, performance this morning, agonisingly just eight seconds behind Australia for fourth out of the medals there. Yeah, and, and here's a bit of news for you that we've only just found out, Smithy. Uh, Andrea Hewitt, who ran the last leg of that mixed team relay, has uh, literally just had COVID. She's on day 10 of her COVID experience. So uh, not exactly the, the perfect build-up to a race, uh, certainly a race like that, a sprint race. And so she has had, um, she has just come off her COVID. So, uh, you know, that, that makes everything so much harder, obviously, and, and I guess kind of explains a little bit of, of why she faded, and I hate using that word. Um, she did start to fade towards the end, uh, but it certainly gives a, a reason around that. But, yeah, gallant effort. Uh, England were far, far too good. Man, they've got a very, very good team in the moment, uh, and they were far too good for the rest of the field. Been another strong day in the pool for the Kiwis. Lewis Clairbert making it to two golds in two nights. What a finish in the 200 butterfly. I, I, I watched the race live. I just could not get over that. I gave him no price at the last turn. 
No, neither did I. Uh, and I've got to be honest with you, Smithy, I forgot it was 200. I thought it was 100 metres. And so after 100 metres, I thought, oh, that's a shame. I think at about 100 metre mark, he might have been fourth as well. And then they kept going and I thought, oh, OK, we're on here. And then yeah, at the turn, 50 metres to go, man, that last 25 metres or so was just pure strength, pure uh, mental grit from Lewis Clearbert. Uh, a very, very fascinating young man, 23 years old, uh, and, and I think has a lot more to give in the sport of swimming. I don't know if you've spoken to his coach, Gary Hollywood, before, but he is also seems to be a swimming coaching genius, what, what he has done. Um, and he believes, get this, that Lewis Clearbert can go faster than Michael Phelps. Uh, and for someone to oh. say that about a Kiwi swimmer, I think is incredibly exciting. If he had have swum that time uh, in the Olympics last year, he would have been the Olympic champion. So he's definitely got it in him to win Olympic gold. Uh, he was superb tonight in an event that I don't think he thought he was going to win, possibly even win a medal in. Uh, and he is now the double Commonwealth Games gold medalist uh, and this, only the second Kiwi aside from Dame Sophie Pascoe to win two swimming gold medals at the same Commonwealth Games for New Zealand. Just absolutely uh, staggering and uh, it's mouth-watering, uh, the prospect of... Uh, and he's such an engaging young bloke too. Oh, he's fantastic. I love interviewing him every time. He, he always um, thinks about what he's going to say. He always gives you a genuine answer. He's not media trained to the nth degree. He's got his personality and, and is a fantastic personality at that. I was lucky enough as well to spend time with his family yesterday, his parents after their win, uh, where they popped the champagne and that sort of thing. And um, that was a really special moment to be at, actually. It was one of the highlights of my career to get to spend that moment with them. You know, you 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 know how much these these athletes put into things and the parents have obviously been there for every step of the way. And to see the pure joy and elation and just genuine happiness on their faces when they had that champagne and when they realised what their son had done. Uh, that was that was incredibly special. OK, let's look at uh, the para-swimming side of it as well with uh, Dame Sophie Pascoe uh, winning her fifth gold medal, which is quite incredible. Uh, and this, uh, this performance by this young 17-year-old Joshua Wilmer uh, in picking up uh, a gold in the 100 metres breaststroke SB8 category. Fantastic result. Well, speaking of swimmers who didn't think they were going to do anything, uh, we've just spoken to Joshua about an hour or two ago, uh, not long after his race, and he didn't think he was going to get anywhere. And then what do you know? He's, he's winning Commonwealth Games gold, a 17-year-old. I don't think he could quite believe why well, he couldn't believe what he had done. He was genuinely in a, in a bit of a state of shock. Um, so that was that was fantastic to see. Uh, Tupunaifu obviously winning silver as well. It's been Incredible, really, in the pool for the Kiwis so far. Um, and, you know, sometimes you, you at the Commonwealth Games, you maybe wonder uh, what the strength of competition is in, in some of these events. Well, if we look at Lewis Clearbert's event, he beat Chad LeClose from uh, South Africa, who's an Olympic champion, seven-time Commonwealth Games gold medalist, uh, a, a real icon of the sport. Um, and, you know, for Lewis to beat him, and, and yeah, it was close, but for Lewis to beat him in, in an event that's not his favourite event, I, I think is um, quite significant for what Lewis Clearbert could achieve, as you just mentioned before, in the uh, in the Olympics and what a couple of years to come. And don't forget, he's still got the 200 metres individual medley coming up as well. Mm, all right, just, it just looks an absolute uh, prime condition. The Velodrome has uh, been an outstanding venue for us so far. Bulk of New Zealand uh, medals coming from there, in fact. And Corbin Strong looked uh, awesome in the 15k scratch race this morning, which was marred by a crash. 
Man, that crash was something frightening, Smithy. Uh, that was unbelievable. I don't, I've never seen a crash like that. Riders going into the stands, into the crowd, um, you know, catapulted into the crowd. I'm not quite sure around situations around fans or anything. I believe most of the riders are okay, uh, particularly our, our Kiwi uh, who crashed in that is, is okay, just with some, some marks, some burn marks from the ground. Um unbelievable scenes really um but yeah overall i mean the cycling you consider everything that cycling new zealand has been through in the past well not even the past year kind of the past three or four years really considering results obviously everything happened uh with olivia podmore which was just so tragic they've had the review it's been a torrid time for everyone involved in cycling in new zealand and particularly cycling new zealand the organization and for them to come over here in birmingham and achieve what they have uh, i think that is um quite remarkable really for those athletes to be able to do that and you know i talk about um the competition that they've had they've beaten some pretty bloody good riders in a lot of those races so uh things are starting to look up again for for the cyclists in this country they are indeed um elise andrews has been absolutely outstanding i mean coming to the party to make up the numbers so at least they could compete coming home with uh well a silver medal but not being able to get it uh this is a bit slightly weird and goes against the grain i think a wee bit of just what the commonwealth game spirit and that is is all about i mean can't they see common sense here uh the girl was not even supposed to be in there she was only just making up the numbers really and she had other priorities to think of can I put it a bit more bluntly, Smithy? It's absolute bollocks. Yeah. Uh, she rides in the race. She should get a medal, shouldn't she? I, I mean, it's just, it, I, I think it's ridiculous. She um, then had to go into another race and get prepared for that, so she couldn't make it to the medal ceremony and telling me she doesn't get the medal because of that and she gets fined. I mean, come on, where's the common sense and where's the, the dignity and the grace from the Commonwealth Games to be able to give her a medal? Uh, I just found that. I found that insulting, actually, myself. She didn't seem to mind. <laughs> she said she didn't really care. Uh, that's the kind of person that she is. But um, I think that's just, I think it's pathetic, frankly. Okay. Uh, well, let's just hope uh, they work away behind the scenes. And even if they don't make it hugely public, uh, hopefully she, she gets that medal. Because it really just sums up mate, uh, the the nature of the Commonwealth Games for me, just helping out and, and coming good. I, I, just, I don't get that. Uh, let's look at, can I just briefly touch on the sevens uh, guy? Um, two bronze, which, uh, you know, you, you go there to get a medal. But I'm just thinking right now as they sit down and, and think about things that both of those particular teams will probably mark that down as a bit of a fail, wouldn't they? Fun times at New Zealand rugby at the moment, isn't it, Smithy? Um, my word, this is... Uh this, to me, this is nothing short of a disaster. Uh, the Blackfern Sevens should be going over there and, and at least making the final. Uh, and the All Black Sevens, I feel like, is the same. Um, I don't think a bronze is good enough for either of those teams at the moment at the Commonwealth Games. Um, and it's just another thing that New Zealand rugby has to figure out what's going wrong. Uh, there's not a lot going right at New Zealand rugby in the past month or two. Uh, and that's another thing that they have to figure out. I've, I've got to be honest. I haven't seen any of the races, uh, any of the games. Sorry, I've been um, I've been so so busy with everything else. But um, man, it's been uh, it's been an interesting time for New Zealand rugby. That's for sure. Sure has uh, actually. Um, I think well, one of the things that has struck me about it, and it was illustrated to me at, at the uh, at the sevens. But you'll you'll be um, encountering this wherever you've gone as well. It's just the the buy-in from the people uh, this time around. I, I don't know if it's a reflection of. Um, people actually being able, after two or three years of not being able to go to things, have 
have travelled from all parts of the world. It just seems to me there's a total buy-in in terms of atmosphere and crowd participation. Yeah, it, it was interesting in the build-up, uh, walking around here in Birmingham, and uh, some people didn't even know the, the Commonwealth Games were on in their own backyard. Uh, but it's one of those things that once it starts up, everyone gets into it, uh, particularly in New Zealand. Uh, it's it, The Commonwealth Games has always, well, for the past few times anyway, been an event where um, leading up to it, no one's overly interested. Uh, and then once it starts and New Zealand starts winning medals, everyone gets excited. So, um, look, I, I, I'm not sure about the future of the Commonwealth Games in, say, 20 years. Uh, I think I'm not sure they'll be around, and if they are, I think they'll probably look quite different to what they do at the moment. Um, but this has been – I've loved every minute of this. This has been fantastic. It's, I've been so incredibly lucky to be over here and see some phenomenal achievements, and um, I know just from having the messages that I've got and the, the tweets that I've seen on social media and comments on, on all sorts of stuff and comments on, you know um, – uh, you know, whatever it might be, all sorts of media, uh, that people are interested in it. And that's just fantastic. You know, these athletes deserve that sort of recognition and that sort of coverage and that sort of um, interest. Uh, and I think it's great that people are getting into it. Okay, so we're heading to uh, another day of activity today. What's uh, what's on your program today? What are you focusing on and what can we look forward to? I've got to be honest with you, Smithy. I've been so deep in everything else today that I've barely looked at what's coming up tomorrow. I know the Silver Ferns are playing Malawi, which is a, obviously a very big game because they lost to them at the last Commonwealth Games. I don't think we'll see a repeat of that this time. The White Ferns, who uh, you and I have discussed rather robustly over the past six months or so, uh, were very impressive against South Africa in their opening game. They play Sri Lanka tomorrow. They Looks like uh, Guy Havelt's dropped off, so uh, we'll leave him. That is obviously very busy. It's quite late over there, actually. It's uh, coming up to 20-odd past 10, and when you've been involved as uh, heavily as he has all around the joint, uh, he's probably looking forward to uh, a bit of time on his temper pillow. So uh, we'll leave him to that. Um, uh, and uh, when we come back, uh, we'll just uh, take another reflection on what's been happening and perhaps have a little review of what's been happening with the cricket as well. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. James Ellis, right, bowling! He's bowling! Smithy's Cricket Update, thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand. There's plenty of cricket going on around the world, but the Black Caps in particular had a one-off game against Scotland overnight. And a maiden one-day international century for Mark Chapman has uh, led them uh, to a convincing seven-wicket win. Um, it was really good because the Scots won the toss, elected to bat first, putting together a pretty healthy total of 306 for New Zealand to chase. The best batter for the hosts was Michael Leesk, scoring 85 off 55 before being dismissed by Jacob Duffy. Michael Bracewell was the pick of the New Zealand bowlers, taking three wickets for 43, while Duffy got three as well for 52 runs. And New Zealand's opening pair of Finn Allen and Martin Guptill becoming uh, quite the combination at the moment. They uh, got the chase off to a great start. Uh, they got through to uh, 78 for one in the 13th over before um, Finn Allen was dismissed for 50 and uh, Martin Guptill shortly after that for 47. The Black Caps were three down when uh, Dane Cleaver was bowled by Lee's uh, just after adding uh, 32 runs to the chase, but still needing 175 to win. Chapman and Daryl Mitchell held the fort for the rest of the innings. 
Uh, Chapman knocking back, uh, knocking six fours and seven sixes en route to his 101 not out. First one day international 100, as we said. Daryl Mitchell, uh, just cool, calm customer that he is. Uh, scoring 74 not out and they won in the 46th over so in the end quite convincing uh, that uh, win concludes New Zealand's tour of Scotland will now travel to the Hag for T20s against uh, the Netherlands uh, and then of course uh, looking forward to getting to the West Indies it has been a long trek away uh, but uh, it's been a great uh, job of uh, being ambassadors I guess for the major nations taking on the associate nations as they continue to try and develop even further. So, yep, Mark Chapman, a one-day international 100, man of the match. That was uh, Smithy's Cricket Update, brought to you by Racine. Paints, of course, are champions in their own right. Yeah, um, other cricket uh, overnight as well. Um, just uh, looking at uh, some of the other scores going around, important series between South Africa and England, and uh, South Africa 191 for five in their T20 international um, and England could only muster 101, and so that means uh, South Africa win that series 2-1. to one. So not all going uh, the same way for Matthew Mott as it is for Brendan McCullum. They've had a few slip-ups in white ball cricket. Uh, but just uh, the nature of uh, how much cricket is being played, the uh, European qualifying series for the ICC Men's T20 World Cup later this year uh, saw Luxembourg taking on Switzerland, who would have ever thought, uh, and Austria beating Norway, so... It's just a, a, a classic example of how global things are with cricket these days, male and female, and of course our uh, women's white ferns are trying to uh, win a medal. That was a good win over South Africa, incidentally, a very good win over South Africa, giving them an opportunity um, to <coughs> to get in the medal race. Uh, I think that would be a plus if they were to do that after uh, just uh, not making the last four of the uh, One Day International World Cup. To be able to pick up a medal would be, I think, quite an outstanding achievement and a good way for Ben Sawyer to start as uh, the new coach. Disappointing final round in terms of golf, though, for Lydia Coe. She was uh, sharing the lead going into the last round and uh, she shot uh, 71. She didn't get the job done. She mixed birdie, three birdies with two bogeys and uh, was not able to uh, hold on or even stay in touch, really, and finishing quite a long way back. So the final major of the year as the Women's Open Championship uh, this week. It traditionally follows the Scottish Open, so Lydia Coe will hope for a further uh, performance there and slightly more consistent over four rounds. It is uh, coming up to 9.30 here on SENZ. Time for the news with Aroha. Thirty-one here on SENZ and uh, Ramfilly Shield Rugby over the weekend, of course, uh, with Hawks Bay defending against their near neighbours Poverty Bay, uh, winning very, very comfortably in the end, 95-22. Didn't quite uh, reflect, I think, the effort of Poverty Bay. I thought they were very good in, in patches. Uh, certainly in the first half, uh, they almost dominated the breakdown area uh, over Hawks Bay. Uh, and then just uh, niggled away, niggled away, but and of course, uh, superior fitness. Uh, and I think bench depth as well was a telling factor as Hawke's Bay ran away uh, with the game towards the end. So it was good, good crowd. Um, and uh, on the back of South Canterbury's first um, effort this year in terms of challenging, I think uh, both of those uh, grassroots sides uh, did themselves pretty proud. Uh, but Hawke's Bay's depth is, is quite amazing when you consider the players that they didn't call on at the weekend and what they've got to look forward to. So 
it is um, it's going to be an exciting time and uh, of course NPC Rugby running's NPC Rugby up and running this weekend uh, all around the country so uh, it'll be interesting very very interesting to see uh, what comes out of that and uh, what players are available and who aren't available of course uh, and uh, I look forward to it I really do it's a, it's the time of the season in terms of uh, rugby that you know I, I think people buy into the most and I know the All Blacks have this major focus at the moment and there's issues around all sorts of things with the team, but this is a nice way, I think, to reflect. And it's a, it's a reminder, I think it's a reminder too, of, of the strength um, and the participation of New Zealand rugby at this level. Uh, it's it's something, that, um, uh, something that we can all buy into. And uh, a lot of the hard work is... Uh, I really like going there because uh, I, I, I like... Th- dealing with the people that, that you're dealing with at the grounds. There's no great um, environment of, of support crew and security and things like that. You just, be, when you go there, people are happy to see you, very happy to see you. They're very happy, you know, uh, just to, to have you around the, the place. Uh, and um, they're very welcoming, and, and I think that reflects in the rugby as well. And uh, just the, the general atmosphere there is quite... Um, Quite bubbly after the game there outside the back of the stand at McLean Park, and uh, it was it was really cool to see. Uh, when you, you sit in this seat and you've been dealing with uh, what's been happening at NZR uh, around the All Blacks, which has uh, almost been a little bit depressing uh, the way it's carried on. Uh, nice to get out and about and uh, reflect on some rugby again. Just waiting for uh, Carl Tanana uh, to come through um, from uh, Birmingham. He's involved in the medal ceremony and doing some interviews afterwards. So we'll, uh, take a quick break and hopefully KT will be with us after that. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. Still waiting for uh, Carl Tanana to come through so we can review the sevens. So uh, we're going to open up the lines for you people. Please get on the blower. Uh, 0800 150 811. I noticed there was a call came through from uh, John from Auckland before. So John, if you've got a, a point that you want to make, uh, give us a call now. The, uh, the lines are wide open and we'll have a Chemist Warehouse voucher uh, to give away, of course, this morning to the value of $50. Just looking at uh, some golf performances uh, whilst we're waiting for the odd callers set. It uh, looks like Tony Finau is about to win back-to-back PGA events. Uh, he's got a four-shot lead. In fact, a five-shot lead going down the last hole. This is to win the Rocket Mortgage Classic. It's uh, worth $8,400,000. So he's banked a couple of good checks. Uh, Tony Finau in the last uh, fortnight, hasn't he? And he's knocking on the door of a major, you'd have to think. New Zealanders uh, in action and the Hero Open Europe uh, overnight on the DP Tour uh, and uh, Daniel Hillier, best of New Zealanders, uh, finished at 15 under 7 behind the winner, Crocker from uh, the United States. Uh, He was at uh, 12 under, Daniel Hillier and Ryan Fox uh, was uh, at uh, 20, uh, he was tied for 22nd at uh, 12 under, so just a, a couple of shots uh, further back there. And as we mentioned, Lydia Coe, disappointing last round of 71 to finish five off the pace and a tie for fifth place. Um, very un-Lydia-like, you would think. Uh, I think we've got a, a call on the line. Charles from Hamilton. Charles, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Smithy. 
What's on your mind, Charles? No, Charles not there. Thought he was there. I can't uh, hear him coming through. Okay, let's go to uh, Dean from the Need. We'll try and get uh, Charles back. Dino, um, what have you made of the Commonwealth Games? Oh, you got to love it, Smithy. Anyone with um, New Zealand blood running through their veins is on top of the world. But one thing that's glaringly obvious for me is I don't think it's a matter of a broom going through the NZRFU. The provinces need to speak in rugby and get rid of them. What's happened and simply needed to happen. It's mind blowing. Absolutely mind blowing. And one thing I'd ask you to do, and Staffy to do, and everyone else in SNZ, is I had a bloody good yarn on Saturday night with a guy that knows, so I'm not mentioning any more than that, but see if you can get a report of the players on the coaches. Because what the NZRFU are telling you, I'm 99.9% sure, is rubbish. So this is the opinion of the what the players, uh, how they rate the coaches as such, yeah? Yeah, you said you can get a copy of the report of the three of them that were important. Two are missing, one's still there, and you might get a, a you won't get a surprise to be brutally honest, but that's all I'll say. But it's, the lies are the things that are starting to really detract from genuine New Zealand people from a game that we love. The Sevens did well. At the end of the day, coaching yet again, the, the, the Australian woman, I watched, I've never watched them play, and I, I watched on Saturday night at the, at the pub, and I thought, how the hell do they rate them? They had a whole lot of dumplings came out, and they got absolutely torched by Fiji. But that was a case of, let's play New Zealand in the semi-final and catch them off guard. And clearly it worked. And the team that played the final against Fiji, my God, that's what I've read, that's what I've heard, this morning was the first time I watched it. Well done. Congratulations. That's how you play sport. South Africa showed how you beat Fiji. Apparently, we were up 14-0, then go down to five men. It's the same shit, different day. Discipline. You're not going to win if you've got less men on the field than the opposition. Okay, uh, Dino, thank you very much for that. Uh, we'll try, uh, as always, uh, thanks for supporting the show. Uh, Charles, we'll try and get Charles up uh, from Hamilton. Charles, hopefully we've got you this time. Yes, are you there? Yeah, got you, mate. Uh, fire ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just wondering if uh, anybody heard, the, the, uh, heard or saw the report uh, earlier this year of the AFL player that, didn't, uh, that declined to wear a um, rainbow jersey. No, I did not see that. So uh, enlighten us, Charles. Have you got some information? Well, you know, it was, I read it in the uh, in the paper here, and um, there was no big deal about it. So I was just wondering why, you know, the uh, it, it sort of blew up last last week. You know. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Uh, for I think the reason why, uh, Charles, because it just wasn't a one-off. Uh, you know, it wasn't one person. It was a collective of seven at least. Uh, and I think that's why yeah. it, it got the attention that it was. Cause the same it was a, a, I know, exactly the same reason. But when more people uh, emphasise that reason, people tend to take a little bit more notice of it. Um, you know, uh, if it had been one player, I think Manly could have smoothed that out without anyone even knowing, um, and, unless it was a Jerry Evans uh, or, or someone of that nature. But if, if, if one of those players had have objected, then I think Manly might have been able to, to get away with it. 
But when you have a block booking like that and a, and a, a boycott of that nature, I, I don't think, uh, Charles, that uh, they were able to hide it uh, to the level that they wanted to, so it had to become public. Uh, the other thing, Charles, is uh, of interest to me is how do you think this will affect Manly going forward? I mean, they lost the game. Uh, they were quite competitive, but they lost the game. Uh, I just wonder how the dressing room will look now. Uh, I'm not worried about how Manly do. I'm not a Manly supporter. doesn't worry me. Uh, I'm just more wondering why, you know, there wasn't uh, more of a, a kerfuffle about the the, the other um, incident earlier in the year. You know, it was just yeah. it was just a nothing. You know, nothing bigger. Yeah, well, as I said, uh, that's a, my only reason uh, for saying that, Charles. And, and you, thank you, you very much for your call. You know, I'll, I'll research it, Charles. I'll, I'll look into it a, a little bit more. I was, I'm sorry, I was not aware of it at all. I'll, I'll do some homework on it and uh, try and find out a little bit more about it for you. John uh, from Auckland. Uh, John, good morning to you. <laughs> yeah, good morning. Hey, what a weekend of sport. Uh, just firstly, congratulations to Kaikara France. You know, he went, nearly got there, but he didn't. Um, I'm sure he'll get another title belt in the future. And just quickly on the uh, PGA, um, Tony Finau. Uh, he's Tongan Samoan descent, represents America, and his family, I think his mother's family, live in Mangere in South Auckland. So there's a connection there with him to New Zealand. Um, and also, um, you know, it's, it's awesome to see the Commonwealth Games and every other sport do well bar rugby. I mean, our national sport seems to be in turmoil, but that's how good we are, eh, when we think we're in turmoil when we've won two bronze medals. Um, but, yeah, just looking at our swimming and our cycling, just amazing, Smitty. Uh, really brought a tear to my eye. You know, we're coming third on the medal table. Um, we're ahead of countries like Canada. Uh, we were ahead of England at the time. We're never going to catch Australia. They've got too many resources. Um, and sports that we don't really see, like three-on-three basketball, uh, the women's team, they haven't lost a game, mate. Uh, the men's team is struggling a bit. Um, our hockey team's doing well. The men's team, uh, you know, they're there or thereabouts. So, you know, a lot to look forward to. We've got the weightlifting coming up. Um, you know, there's all sorts of sports, mate, and I think we're probably in for close to 50 medals, which would be a record for New Zealand. So, yeah, all in all, mate, a good weekend and something to think about rather than the All Blacks, right, Smithy? Oh, and quickly, and, and the Black Caps. What a performance. Cheers. Yeah, the, the Black Caps are, are going well, uh, John. They're playing as, as well as I expected that they would play over there. I, I think, you know, they're dominating sides that they should dominate. Uh, two or three uh, minor hiccups against Ireland, but the good news was they got over those and actually prevailed in the end, which is uh, it's good for uh, building depth and, and balance. And I think they're getting it right at the top of the order, uh, particularly with Finn Allen and uh, Martin Guptill. Finn Allen, uh, there's no doubt about it, is uh, very much part of the future. Don't quite know how long Martin Guptill will go for, but still making valuable contributions. So, uh, And then, of course, you, you get a guy like Daryl Mitchell in the middle order, which just absolutely... Uh, he found himself a, a definite home across uh, all three forms of cricket. He's uh, turning out to be an absolute brilliant contra- contributor to uh, New Zealand cricket. Uh, Joey from Auckland. Joey, good morning to you. Yeah, good day, Smithy. Still got the shield, I see. Well done, mate. It, it, uh, that was uh, <laughs> yes. good. Uh, yeah, I know it was Poverty Bay, but hey, it was good to see uh, Poverty Bay get a go. Um, just just on the um, Commonwealth Games, mate, fantastic, isn't it? I mean, you know, what what you. New Zealand cycling's gone through the last year or so uh, with the processes of different things. They've come out absolutely smelling roses, fantastic. Uh, the swimmers are going brilliant. 
you know, it's just and it's just it's just fantastic to watch too. You know, it, it, the enjoyment you get out of seeing, especially Kiwis. You know, Kiwis doing so well. Um, you know, and and even in the it started with the the triathlon. I mean, okay, you know, I think they will give him a gold medal because it took them over two hours uh, sitting down in the boardroom not being able to get a result. So, and um, I think they'll they'll share that gold medal, and I hope that is that is what it is. And with the cycling, if the the girl doesn't get a gold medal from them, all all you do when you come home get one one from one of the ones that have won it, and um, get us to, to make one for her. I mean, because she deserves it just as much as anyone else, you know. She, she, it wasn't her fault she had another um, a, a, another race to, to go to. I mean, that's just ridiculous, mate. Well, I, I just don't get it, Joey. I mean, I, I mean, these are supposedly responsible people making these kinds of decisions. And I, I just don't... Why, why don't they just step back and think, right, there's, there's got to be... Would this girl really want... Normally, she'd love to be on the podium. There's got to be a reason why she's not there. Oh, right, OK, let's look into this a little bit more deeply. She wasn't in the original team. She helped them out so they could make up the numbers and absolutely be part of the actual, um, you know, of the competition. Um, but it wasn't her priority. Can we make an exception here? Of course we can make an exception here, Joey. Wouldn't you think that it, common sense would prevail? Well, of course, mate. You know, I mean, what happens if, what happens if she'd gone through and tested and all of a sudden they said, oh, you tested... Uh, um a positive state to COVID after the race, and she wasn't able to go up on the on the on the. You know, it's just common sense. It's like anything, Smithy. I mean, just go just quickly about the rugby league. I mean, um, the the Melbourne Storm prop. He should he should be he should be cited. I mean, it's a, it's an absolute joke that you and I and everyone else can see it. And he he at the moment he's not cited for what he did to Wayne Egan. Nearly broke his jaw. Um, it's I just can't work it out. What are these people looking at? Are they looking at a different, different thing to you and I? Yep, they are quite clearly, and I question this uh, every weekend. I commentate rugby um, or cricket, for that matter. Are they looking at a different thing, a uh, different view? Are they getting more information than we're getting? And um, all I can say is, Joey, I've been told they don't. They get exactly the same evidence that you and I get. So thanks very much uh, for your call, mate, and uh, hopefully common sense prevails there for Elise Andrews. Now, uh, just getting back to Charles's point, um, I've, I've tried to go deeply, as deeply into this as I can. Uh, greater Western Sydney player and practising Muslim Hanin Jreka will not play. This is going back to January. Were decided not to wear the team's pride jumper on re religious grounds. This is uh, She was the first uh, Islamic player to play AFL Women's after making her debut back in 2019. Grappled with the decision um, over a period of time and has decided, uh, or did decide back at that point, she would not play for Greater Western Sydney uh, against the Western Bulldogs. So uh, that is what I've been able to glean from that. Uh, thank you very much to uh, the, the person with the text to, to enlighten me around that. But that is the story there, Charles. Uh, she would not play um, on uh, because of the fact she's a practicing Muslim uh, and the other guys wouldn't uh, play for Manly for very similar reasons. They uh, wanted to uh, observe uh, what their beliefs were as such and didn't want to support it. So uh, it's 9.53 here on SENZ. Uh, we shall take a break and come back with a multi before 10. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold 
Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Right, today, what have we got lined up? Uh, a bit of baseball this afternoon out of the MLB, and it is the San Francisco Giants to beat the Chicago Cubs. That's uh, at $1.53. Uh, I've gone to the women's NBA today, uh, and they've gone to the Minnesota Lynx to beat the uh, Los Angeles Sparks. Uh, that will be at $1.60. And in uh, the women's cricket, uh, of course, at uh, the Birmingham Commonwealth Games, England to beat South Africa. I know it's only $1.20, but it just adds uh, a little bit of value on top of the other two. Um, that comes out at uh, $2.93. So it's a case of uh, today, hopefully, small fish uh, sweet when it comes to uh, our multi. Uh, I understand that Carlton will be available to us uh, after the 9 o'clock news coming up. So uh, we'll do a report card, I think, on uh, where he thinks the New Zealand Sevens uh, programs are at. Do we read anything into this, or is it just a case of uh, a couple of poor performances uh, in uh, a couple of semi-finals, which uh, kept us away from uh, gold or silver? Would they be happy with the bronze medals? Uh, Carlton Anna on the ground over there uh, with his expert opinion on that, of course, former champion in his own right in the Sevens game. Uh, we shall take uh, a quick break with the news with Araha. Uh, the sevens uh, and plenty more to come in the next two hours. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, we continue our focus on the Commonwealth Games this morning with a pair of uh, bronze medals. From New Zealand's Black Ferns Sevens beating Canada 19-12, to followed quickly by the All Black Sevens defeating Australia 26-12. Whilst it's not the gold medals that either side would have been hoping for in the Rugby Sevens, both fought pretty well to the very end against tough opposition. Perhaps on any other day, results could have gone a different way in the semi-finals. But uh, I digress. Uh, on the line now with a much more informed opinion uh, is uh, our great friend Carl Tanana, experiencing the delights of the Birmingham, Birmingham Commonwealth Games firsthand. Uh, good evening to you, Carl. Uh, English time. Uh, I, I would imagine if we reflect on it and say you've got a bronze each, uh, when they went over there, they'd have been disappointed. What do you feel the gut feeling is? Morning, the Smithy. Um, yeah, I mean, I just talking to both uh, camps, you know, they are still broken. They, um, you know, they had opportunities to win. Uh, both of their semi-finals, they weren't able to take that. So uh, there's a lot of um, players that haven't uh, tasted a defeat, especially in the women's side, the Blackfoot Sevens. Uh, and, um, you know, it hurts. Now, I know, I know. yes, they were happy with the bronze, um, but, um, yeah, they, they obviously come here with um, aspirations to get the gold. Anything less was always going to be a disappointment. But, you know, they have another opportunity down the track in the World Cup pretty soon to try and right those wrongs and maybe kick up the backside. Uh, losing this one will give them motivation to keep on point. It would, it may be it will. Um, if, if we look a, a little bit uh, deeper, where, where do you think it, uh, it probably went wrong in the semi-final against Australia? I mean, the people are saying back here that the hair-pulling incident perhaps could have been a penalty try situation as such. May have gone there, the whole thing might have gone a different direction. But can we level it down at one area or, or the fact that uh, the, the gaps are not that wide in sevens rugby these days? 
Oh, I think Australia really bullied us, to be fair, Smithy, um, at the breakdown uh, for the women, and um, they really pressurised us, and they were just niggly, and we didn't adapt uh, quick enough in that department, so we couldn't get any clean ball. And once again, uh, they had an opportunity to win that day. We were a woman up. Uh, all they needed to do was get a little bit deeper and execute. Australia defensively jammed, and we couldn't um, handle that situation. So, I mean, we still had moments that we could have still won the game, even though I, don't, I think... They realised they didn't play their best rugby sevens, the ladies. So, um, and that's the level, high level sport, as you know. You, you, you've been there. So, um, it's just those little moments you have to take control of. Aussie did it, and we didn't. So, in, in the in the wash up, we got bullied, and, and uh, we couldn't take our chances. Uh, I just wonder, uh, Katie. Sometimes when you have big events like uh, World Championships, Olympics, Commonwealth Games. There are retirements, etc., or you, you start to rebuild. Do you see that happening uh, with the Seven Sisters as such? Do you, have you heard anything a, a, about possible retirements, defections, or any changes? Yeah, I mean, um, they're getting to that point now. A lot of that, um, the core that uh, Seven's uh, team for the for the ladies uh, have or are moving on. We've seen Ruby too, who was um, a monster for the for the for the ladies for for a long time. Now gone over to the 15s and put her um, put her all her efforts to trying to make that Blackburn squad for the rugby world. A couple of these girls will um, be involved in that um, in, in that tournament as well. So I think there is there's, there's, they're getting the influx now with the Sheree Kaka's being more prevalent and getting more game time and um, Jazz Holtham as well, uh, another young player who, who's getting more time and Reese Pody Lane. So there is the element of change coming through the ranks now and um, starting to get the, the the new new batch of superstars uh, for them. Okay, let's uh, look at uh, the men's side of things. Uh, pretty conclusive performance this morning uh, against Australia. Some real speed, some real youth on show there. Uh, that was a much, much better performance. Yeah, yeah. And, um, um, yeah, that's still broken. No, it's still broken. I was just talking to a couple of the lads just down the tunnel then um, after the medal presentation. And they know, once again, that they created opportunities uh, to win that semi-final against Fiji. They controlled the game. Uh, they're up 40 nil, um, you know, and they, and they they made a one bad pass um, led to a try just before the half, and that's all Fiji needs to get momentum. But once again, we had um, time with ball in hand and position, and we were in great positions and areas of the field. And then we have a little knock on um, when we went under pressure. So those execution things is probably the reason why we weren't able to to finish that game. But still, you know that they were able to take it the extra time, uh, the way they're able to dig in the heels and. and defend up even to get it to that point it just shows you the ticker in this team but unfortunately you're playing five against seven against Fiji that's never going to work out well for you No it's not um, Let's. Uh, I, I just want to touch briefly on the finals because uh, of course Fiji are involved in both of them but I, I, I watched both of them uh, with intent uh, I think uh, sentimentally Fiji, everyone wanted Fiji to win outside the nations that were competing but uh, I just they weren't allowed to play. It looked like the, the tactics of both South Africa and the men and Australia and the women just uh, just shut them down beautifully. Yeah, and I think um, the confidence Australia got of beating um, our women in that semi-final, that, that was their blueprint, and that's all they once again um, did to Fiji. They just suffocated in the Fiji, like you said, they couldn't get into the game, couldn't get their late cuts going. Um, Aussie were always there or thereabouts and challenging at the ruck as well and turning ball over so they just couldn't get a rhythm the Fiji Fijiana team have really come on in the past season and Aussie really dominated and got some confidence and played fast I'll be honest they played real, real massive tempo and um, Fiji just couldn't um, stick with them and, and South Africa very much the same I know Fiji had a lot of injuries after New Zealand 
uh, semi-final. That was brutal. So I think they were down a couple. I mean, Jerry Tuwai was massive for them. He didn't even play on day three. He got injured yesterday. So that was another piece of the puzzle that they didn't have a playmaker. And he's one of the best in the business uh, running around, Jerry Tuwai. So Fiji were just outplayed. South Africa had a great game plan. They stayed wide and moved the ball real quick with their um, smaller blokes in the middle and used to kick. That's, that's the thing with South Africa. They used to kick. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a lot, and they got in behind uh, was the Fijian uh, defence. And once they got their roll on South Africa, um, you know Fiji just couldn't stick with them. They looked very tired. I'll be honest, and I think probably that semi-final against New Zealand uh, that really took it out of them. Uh, I, I just love the, the balance of that South African men's side, and you know, the, as you said, the playmaker. The, the tactically they were superb, but they just showed across the board. If you look at their squad, there's room for size, there's room for bulk and speed. I mean, they, they just look to have quite a complete unit, South Africa. Yeah, they, they started off in the series so well and then they fell off in the middle part and then they've gone back and reassessed and gone back to what's probably been their um, staple and, and, and that's using their playmakers in the middle. They've had a couple of retirements over the last 18 months and, and uh, the guys like David's and them really stood up in that department and feeling comfortable and they've done it at the right time and I think them getting that role on especially uh, leading into the, 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 the World Cup which is in Cape Town so I think they've, they've really got a good mix, and Neil Powell's got them, uh, had them humming, obviously, at the right end. They sort of went under the radar, I'll be honest with you, Smithy, over the course of this weekend and snuck up on a lot of people, and then all of a sudden, bang, they were they were on fire and disposed of Aussie in that semi, and then obviously not many teams can beat Fiji um, as convincing as that, but they were outstanding, as you see, got everything right. As an event, uh, I mean, I looked at the, the atmosphere this morning, the crowds, some of the fancy dress in the crowd, it, it really did look as if... Uh, People uh, found it very engaging and enjoyed the whole concept there. Yeah, it was massive. It was absolutely massive. I think they had, um, I think it's a thirty-two seat, seat, uh, thirty-two thousand seat stadium, and they had, um, I think, twenty-six thousand yesterday on both sessions. And today was even more. You know, they got near sold out. So they're very appreciative. Um, and and you know the English crowd, Smithy. They love singing their songs. They love enjoying it. They love the underdog. They cheer everyone and they're very respectful. So it was a really, really cool vibe and cool environment. And the fans uh, really brought, um, I mean, really made it. I know the, the players really enjoyed it as well. Overall, uh, outside the, the seven side of things, I know you've been pretty tied up with that, uh, KT. Uh, performance of the New Zealand's uh, Commonwealth Game teams as a unit so far has been pretty impressive. What, are, what have you been able to um, to catch up with and enjoy, or uh, if at all? No, I haven't. I haven't been yet. Well, with the sevens, it's quite a way out of Birmingham, so we've been out pretty early and uh, staying out there with with that. But I'm um, trying to keep up with it, you know. And the cyclists are smashing it, and uh, and the pool we're going awesome. So. Um, now this is over, we'll um, decompress for a couple of hours and then we'll uh, get back to work and start moving around the, the events a bit more. So I think um, we're going to go do some um, do some athletics once that starts kicking off. Hopefully see uh, Dave Valetti and do some uh, weightlifting. Love the weightlifting, so I get along to that. And um, I wouldn't mind doing the lawn bowls, but that's quite a way out as well. So I put the request in, but I haven't had a reply yet, Smithy, so uh, who knows? Carlton Arna and the Lawn Bowls. Now that's that kind of uh, that excites me actually. I didn't, I didn't, I know you know uh, under the cheese cutter. I, I didn't realise there were a potential bowler in UKT. Oh yeah, no, we, we used to do it every every uh, every year when we uh, finished at uh, rugby. We'd always be our mad Sundays going to the Lawn Bowls and going down with the old boys and learning a bit. And no, nah, I love it. My, my uncle was actually a selector up in up in North Harbour, so I, I love the Lawn Bowls. I'm terrible at it, but I'll I'll give it a note. I just drive though, Smithy. I just drive the jack. You would, KT. I mean, you'd just kill every end if you could, wouldn't you? <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. 
<laughs> will you even have a chance to watch the All Black Springboks? Can you? Will you be able to, uh, not a bad time slot, but will you be able to find um, a couple of hours off to do that? Oh, you betcha. You betcha. Even if we're at an event, that's going to be on the old phone. Don't worry about that. Sky Sport now. Get all over it. So what what if, uh, what are you thinking now that uh, it's all died down a wee bit, uh, Carl Tanana, uh, and and of course, um, you know we've got uh, we've got new people in the mix uh, all of a sudden, and particularly Jason Ryan. What are you, what are you expecting? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, you know the All Blacks that when they got their back up against the wall, um, they're going to come out firing some shots, and I think maybe going away. Uh, decompressing out of uh, NZ after that series and going to a place you know they know it's going to be tough but a place that they can thrive in and getting on tour and just connecting I think is probably the best thing for them at, state, uh, at this stage and um, get away from the New Zealand glare and, and the media and the public somewhat so I, I think uh, they'll be alright you know um, I wounded All Blacks uh, a, a tough opposition so you know, I'm not saying that they're going to uh, go over there and smash the spring box but I know it's going to be real tough and I know that um, you know they've got a lot of pride in what they're doing and when, they, when that gets questions, probably, um, uh, you know, the Springboks we have to look out, I think. Okay. Uh, KT, thanks for your summary of the Sevens. Not quite what uh, we were expecting uh, because uh, we have high high demands of our Sevens teams. So a little bit disappointing on that front. Uh, nice to hear that the players aren't that satisfied either with what's uh, been going on. But, hey, look, mate, thank you and enjoy what you've got coming up. Very jealous sitting back here in New Zealand uh, watching uh, in the middle of the night. But it's been fun. It's been great so far. Appreciate it, brother. We'll, we'll have a quiet beverage for you, my man. You do that. You do that. Have a Smith's Bitter. A Smith's Bitter. There it if is. If you like. Okay. That's it, mate. I'm Cheers. getting I'm having Cheers. one of those tonight. Cheers, brother. <laughs> Cheers, Carl. Carl Tanana there, uh, sideline, of course, and uh, commentary for the uh, the Commonwealth Game 7s, uh, adding his expertise there. And, yeah, I think it's reflection is fair that uh, talking behind the scenes to the players, um, you know, out of the cold... Uh, the light, the harsh lights, I should say, of the media and um, the cameras, etc. There, whether you put on a brave face and congratulate everyone else for what they've achieved, etc. And you know, say so you gave it your best shot. At the end of the day, gutted, I think, absolutely gutted. And I'm not quite sure whether uh, you were able to catch the finale of the, the women's game there when they won this morning. Um, but there was just a, an expression I thought from Sarah Hernani at the end of the day, having one that one convincingly. Um, and I think uh, I gleaned from uh, just what I saw from her um, exactly how she felt about uh, the end result. However, uh, it's 10.15 and uh, we'll be back with a, a panel very shortly. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, we've got uh, Hamish Bidwell with us this morning and uh, Jamie Wall with us this morning. Hamish, if I can please start with you. Uh, two bronze medals in the sevens. Uh, what did you make of that? Um, in the men's case, about where they sit. So no drama there. For the women, I'm interested in... I mean, they, to me, are one of the great sporting teams of the world. Um, they really are... Uh, excellence personified. They've sort of almost taken the mantle on from the All Blacks in that regard. And I'm a bit disappointed for them in the sense that they missed the first four rounds of the World Series this year so I think they came into the Commonwealth Games underdone I think they've only played two tournaments this year I think in that regard I think they've been a bit let down for by New Zealand rugby they they they, they um, celebrate their success but I don't think they do a lot to perpetuate it um, they've lost Alan Bunting from their coaching staff they'll be disappointed their, their benchmark as I mentioned is excellence they're a um, superbly performed team um, 
can see from their reaction to losing to Australia how much it hurt them. But uh, given how strong that group is, given what a leader Sarah Herity is, I would expect them to come back. But um, yeah, interesting tournament for them, I think. If uh, New Zealand rugby had their time again, they might have got them out on the circuit a bit earlier and given them a better chance of winning. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I guess, another thing that, um, Hamish, we can look at New Zealand rugby who aren't exactly operating on all cylinders themselves of late, are they? No, it's been interesting. I see, um, I saw Charlotte McLaughlin's name come up the other day with a leaked email to staff about whether we do or don't respond to Steve Hansen. Um, she emailed me not that long ago, wanted me to meet with Mark Robinson. I've I've had those meetings, those coffees, um, those basically bullying exercises that you get a strip torn off you. I've been in meeting rooms and at NZR staffers put their hands on me and, and get very angry with me and threaten me. So, yeah, it's funny. They've made a really interesting bed for themselves. And once When you're winning, winning sort of solves everything. But once uh, results become a bit patchy, it's amazing how many people come out of the woodwork and whether it's an ex-coach or ex-media uh, staff or or just former players, everyone's got an opinion and there's sort of little digs here and there and the, the empire is crumbling a bit. Um, a lot of it bores me to tears. I sort of just want the game to come around now and see what the team can do. I've, I've got them at 13 plus to beat South Africa. It was my turn for the betting syndicate and I thought, well, if, if this doesn't conjure a performance out of them, if this doesn't galvanise that group, if they don't come out and play some absolutely emphatic rugby this week, they never will. So um, the sideshow has been interesting, but a little bit sort of saddening. And now I just want the rugby. I'm uh, fascinated to to hear um, that you've basically been bullied by um, by staff of the NZR. I, I find that a little bit concerning, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Jamie, I haven't. Oh, uh, good morning and, to you. I hope you're still yeah. here, to be honest. Yeah, credible. Absolutely credible. Um, Jamie, um, okay, I hope you haven't been subjected to, to too much of that uh, yourself. What have you made? Uh, of uh, the Sevens' performance uh, over the course of uh, the Commonwealth Games as such? Uh, yeah, I, I have to say it's not good enough um, for me, the team, to be honest, given the resources that the, they've got. Uh, Hamish did mention that the men finished about where they are because, you know, you have sort of four or five teams that are capable of winning uh, every tournament. So, yes, on paper, uh, finishing third isn't... It isn't the worst result that could possibly possibly happen, and, and it is on par with a, a World Series event. But this is the Commonwealth Games, uh, an event that the All Black Sevens have traditionally dominated. This was actually only their second ever loss uh, in the history um, of the Commonwealth Games. So it's something that I, I feel was probably a, a, holds a special place in that in that team's heart. So. I think that they'll be bitterly disappointed about it, especially the way that the final, uh, that semi-final um, went down. Um, and for the women, yeah, they should have won. Like that's, I, I hold the same expectations for them that I would for the All Blacks because they are the best team in the history of the sport uh, on the, on the women's side. Um, and it would be a real shame for them to start losing that aura. Uh, and I think a problem that, they've, that, the, that, the, that this has come from um, is, I guess, not really anyone's fault because the 15 side World Cup has obviously been delayed a year. Um, but I think a much harder line should have been taken on which one of these things are you going to be doing um, because it was left quite late in the piece for players to commit. Um, it should have been done you know, about a year and a half ago. Um, obviously, the Blackfin Simmons have lost uh, Ruby Tui, which, who's a veteran player and obviously a big part of their, their team culture. Uh, and I think that 
you, if you're looking at the way things are going coming into this year, you should have probably been aiming at winning gold at uh, the the Commonwealth Games and at the upcoming Sevens World Cup um, for the women um, in order for this to be a successful year for women's rugby because I think we can probably already write off the, the Women's World Cup. And, and just back to that point about um, the meetings with, um, <laughs> you know, to clear the air with New Zealand rugby, well, I definitely had my one um, last year. Um, so, yeah, that, that does, it happens to all of us, so... Yeah, uh, it's just it is a pretty interesting time um, over the last three weeks uh, for the perception of of our governing body. How important then for you uh, this game in seven days' time? Uh, Hamish has gone thirteen plus. Not sure I've got the confidence to do that, Jamie. How important do you see this uh, this first test against South Africa? Oh well, it's huge. But then again, like every test. Well, the last five tests have all been huge. They've all carried equal significance. I'm getting a bit sick of talking about it because then the All Blacks turn around and lose. So I I think that out of all of the fixtures that we've had uh, and that were sort of marked down the calendar looking a year ahead, this these next two were the ones where people were like, OK, it's probably OK if the, the All Blacks drop these because the Springboks are obviously world champions. We're playing them in their own um, backyard. They're, they're looking pretty good throughout their... Um, uh, United Rugby Championship um, campaign, like all the all their players are looking like in form, so these would have been seen as acceptable losses uh, for the All Blacks, which is a pretty rare event. But now, now that you know this losing streak, uh, or, or at least you know uh, was it four out of the last five games have been dropped, this is now going to become a crisis, uh, and I've picked the worst possible time to have a, a must-win game. Um, uh, it, it, you know, they're, they're playing on on new territory up in. Um, Bolimba, Bombella, uh, sorry, <laughs> uh, but the and and then again next week uh, at um, Ellis Park, which is uh, traditionally the the most difficult um, venue for the All Blacks player, other than Sky Stadium, funnily enough. So I, I think that we're probably not going to get that many questions answered out of these these next two games, um, unless the All Blacks can somehow win by you know twenty points and and both. Uh, but even then. You know, even then, there's still going to be question marks. Well, I'm just looking for. I'm sure I read an article over the weekend where the headline said, um, "Hamish Bradwell." It said, uh, "Mark Robinson said uh, Ian Foster is the right guy to lead us to South Africa." Is, is that um, is that an interesting quote, or is that uh, do we need to look behind that a little bit more? Is, there, is, is this the defining series for Ian Foster? Well, it's hugely interesting, don't you think? I mean, I'm going to give... I mean, it was like a mouth sighting to see Mark Robinson out in public, at least to hear him. Um, so rare that he would front. Um, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt of being, which he is, not a particularly confident or competent public speaker. He may have misspoken. But if you look, if you read those quotes as I read them, and I'm sure everyone else read them, that said that he's good for now, and then all bets are off. So that is fascinating, isn't it? I mean... The bloodletting may continue, and if you're, if the governing body are starting to, you know, tire of you and tire of these results, and they're only prepared to endorse you for a hellishly difficult two-match series, then, um, yeah, the writing could be on the wall. I mean, I, 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 I will, as I say, I will give Robinson the slight benefit of the doubt because he's not a great talker, but at face value, those comments were damning, and certainly um, Foster's on notice if he doesn't win by, by, by those comments. Chalk and cheese, aren't they, Steve Chew and Mark Robinson, Hamish? 
Yeah, I don't know whether they felt they had to break up that whole cabal. You know, Hanson and Chu were sort of, I wouldn't call them Walker and Wise, but they were, they were a dynamic duo. They were a partnership. Um, they sang from the same hymn sheet. Chu had his detractors, but he was hugely com- uh, competent. He, he, he gave an air of uh, authority. He spoke well. He was prepared for um, difficult questions and was able to think on his feet and answer them. He was well briefed. He was... Um, he had the, 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 the ability, he had the luxury of a winning All Blacks team behind him, but he was able to go onto the world stage and uh, push New Zealand's case strongly in a way that I'm not sure that Robinson's able to. Um, and I don't think he would have allowed all these grey areas to develop around the team, the disharmony to to, to, to go around the game as it is. He was he was a, a wonderful leader, and I know Hanson has his axes to grind, and I know he has his allegiances, but he. His comments about you and his, his departure from New Zealand rugby, I thought last week, were very telling and, and probably very true. Um, you had to take, as I say, some of the handsome stuff with a grain of salt. But when he was talking about Chu and his leadership, I thought he was spot on. And I thought it was short-sighted of the board to dispense with him as if Hanson's going, so thank goodness we can get rid of Chu at the same time. I don't think that's worked out that well for them. Okay, 10.31 here. Hamish Bidwell and Jamie Wall with some pretty deep thinking about uh, the rugby side of things. Uh, We'll come back with uh, another couple of uh, issues as well for these two gentlemen to talk about uh, after the news here with Aroha. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. We've got uh, Hamish Bidwell with us this morning and uh, Jamie Wall and we've been uh, thick into the rugby side of things uh, on the back of two bronze medals in the Commonwealth Games and some uh, happenings again around uh, the All Blacks but uh, we should uh, not ignore the fact that there's other sport going on around the world and uh, Jamie I know you are very keen uh, on uh, looking at this uh, Euro Women's Football Final between England who uh, won an extra time 2-1 2-1 over Germany in front of 87,192 craving fans at Wembley. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what a great uh, advertisement for, for women's sport. Um, obviously, football being the biggest sport in the world, you want to see it attended by the same amount of, uh, of people that would, would go to a men's game. And I believe that's the highest, uh, that's a record crowd for a, for a European final of either men or women. So that's, a, that's an amazing achievement. Um, by an English women's team that has really grabbed the attention of the of the public. Um, there's some great scenes of of people out watching in, in public spaces with uh, big TVs set up, which uh, which is awesome. And uh, yeah, good good inter- uh, entertaining final, and it's building a, quite a lot of interest going into next year's World Cup, which of course is being held down here in in New Zealand and Australia. So I think that the momentum of women's football is really going to ramp up. Um, coming into into next year, and we're going to see like what a really big world class event um, is like. When you, you know we haven't had one here for a while, uh, and you know hopefully the public can get out and 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 engage with with uh, with a football tournament being being held down here because it's going to be awesome to see the likes of England um, coming down and, and playing. And I just I just think though that you know when you market it properly and when you make it accessible and you make it into a family-friendly event. I would, I've just obviously been up in Suva uh, for the last three weeks covering the OFC Women's Nations Cup. Um, it's obviously a, a tournament of a slightly smaller scale, but you know there was over 5,000 to watch the final between Fiji and PNG on Saturday night, and the atmosphere created was just absolutely electric. 
so to see the public respond to that to women's sport um, in, a, in a, a country where obviously rugby and sevens is the is the main one um, is really really encouraging. And it, it's stuff like this really changes people's perceptions. I can I can tell you that much. It, it, so it's really great to see. Okay, let's uh, perhaps look at other events for around the Commonwealth Games. Uh, Hamish, uh, this bizarre s- scenario where uh, one of our cycling girls, Elise Andrews, is uh, called in to help out to make up the numbers, wins a silver medal, can't make the dais or prefers not to make the dais to prepare for her specialised event, which is basically going to happen straight afterwards, uh, doesn't get the silver medal um, and gets fined uh, some a little bit of money and some UCI points. I mean, really? Really, Hamish? I have to be really honest, Ian. Um, my wife's been away for a week and she's very bravely and uh, left me in just sole charge. And uh, the house is still standing. My child is at the school every day, but we haven't watched a lot of sport. Uh, part of parenting has been taking him out of the house and I haven't caught up with everything that uh, is on the list today. And I haven't, to be fair, watched the Commonwealth Games in any great detail. So I'll have to, unfortunately, kick for touch on the idea of the women's cycling. Okay, uh, can I kick it back towards you then, Jamie? I'll take the quick throw off that one then. And uh, I have to echo the thoughts of Guy Havelt earlier that it's just a bit mean-spirited and silly that some bureaucrat has, has made that choice to not give Elise Andrews a medal, um, especially considering that the Commonwealth Games, I guess, point of difference or unique selling point is that it's a more rela- it's a, like a more relaxed version of the Olympics, and and that this sort of stuff would be obviously you know upheld in an Olympic setting, but at the Commonwealth Games you could probably just let it fly, you know, like like the rules are are kind of made to be bent, and if if this event uh, sorry if if the Commonwealth Games as a concept is going to stay relevant, um, because at the moment it it doesn't really have that many points of difference other than traditional Commonwealth sports like sevens and and cricket and netball, uh, which also have their own world championships anyway. So I think that, yeah, this is kind of a bad look, and I think that probably something that whoever whoever made that decision's boss probably needs to have a word with them about. Mm, I think you're right, absolutely, and I, I think that may well be reviewed at some point in time. Hopefully they're working behind the scenes to do that. Uh, Amish, OK, I, I take into account that you haven't been able to watch a lot of sport. Maybe you, you might have caught up with the odd score from um, the cricket side of things. Uh, so unbeaten, as you would expect, uh, throughout Ireland and Scotland, heading to the Netherlands yet. Uh, have you been uh, wowed by any of it, or these youngers, younger players coming through? I have to say, and I, I, I hesitate, I'm not a big white ball cricket fan. I, I tend to regard it as not really cricket, Um I don't want to be old-fashioned, but I think test cricket is actual cricket, and when we're not playing test cricket, I'm not hugely engaged. Um, interesting that Mark Chapman, who's been a bits and pieces guy since New Zealand got him on board from Hong Kong, has got a couple of runs. That's nice for him. Um, Mitchell in that middle-order role doing okay, but I just like some test cricket, meaningful test cricket. I, you know, I, In England, for instance, they're getting guys in their white ball setups who haven't played list day matches before. Or even first class matches are simply 2020 players. And I don't know that a 2020 player is, in my mind, a cricketer, um, but yet it's becoming the dominant force in cricket. Um, we, you know, with, with India buying the, the, the rights, or the IPL buying the rights to stage South Africa's domestic T20 competition, we're going to get more and more guys freelancing, more guys just being 2020 guns for hire. As a, someone who loves cricket, I find that a shame. Uh, I'm not trying to 
lump all the black cats into that. They're a different thing. They're off with their dirt track and team playing a few meaningless games in Europe and good on them. But as a, in a broader sense, as a cricket fan, I, I, I don't want to see the primacy of Test cricket lost because, to me, that is actually cricket. Mm, interesting. Uh, okay, uh, Jamie, uh, I suppose, though, uh, if you are uh, more a white ball fan uh, than Hamish as such, uh, and there are a lot of them out there looking forward to uh, the T20 World Cup in Australia, which is now not too far away at all. It's, uh, we're now into August, believe it or not. Um, so w- what are you making uh, of these results coming through and the likes of a Finn Allen at the top of the order, etc.? Yeah, well, obviously, totally respect, um, you know, Hamish's preference for Test cricket. I think, uh, you know, you're not a cricket fan if you don't. I mean, I obviously grew up with watching limited overs cricket, so it is still uh, has, has a lot of appeal. Uh, this tour, though, seems to be played against some pretty obscure places, uh, countries. But I will say um, it is pretty cool that a team like Scotland can get up and score, you know, a good 300 in, in their 50 overs, like the game's advanced. Uh, that far, or batting's advanced at least um, that far, that you can you can see, uh, I guess, uh, like tier two um, countries posting 300 plus scores against um, teams like New Zealand. Um, obviously, they need to work on their bowling because New Zealand obviously um, came out and, and won that game. But yeah, I, I think it's looking all right for the T20 um, World Cup. It's it's kind of a bit like sevens uh, in that you know sort of anything can can really happen on the day. You're going to see a few upsets. Um, down the way, but yeah, I'm, I'm liking what I've seen out of Finn Allen. He's um, he obviously after a really strong domestic um, season a couple of years ago, he came into the team um, with a lot of expectations. Probably hasn't really lived up to them until until now. Um, I think Mark Chapman's a really nice story, but I agree with Hamish. He's, he's sort of a bits and pieces. I don't think he's ever going to be like a mainstay um, in the team. But you know, the the parts are there. It's just about getting them to peak uh, at the right time when that when that T20 World Cup comes along and. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, like I said, there's every chance that they can get it done. Let's hope so. Uh, let's hope so. It's uh, off to the Netherlands for a couple of matches and then, of course, um, to the more serious side of things in the Caribbean uh, against the West Indies with uh, pretty much a full-strength side, which uh, is encouraging. Hamish Bedwell, thank you very much for your time this morning uh, and to you too, Jamie Wall, of course. Uh, nice to hear that you're back safely on terra firma here in New Zealand after a little sojourn uh, to the wonderful Fiji. It is 10.42 here on SENZ. Uh, another panel this time tomorrow morning. SENZ. Right, a number of uh, texts have come in this morning. Good opportunity to read some of them out. Uh, hi, Smithy. Hearing that your panel has had uh, almost bullying behaviour by NZR as, uh, in a similar story last week uh, by producer Sam on Staffy's show. Uh, last week is horrific. Sam won't even bother getting NZR on Staffy's show because of their rude and disrespectful behaviour. Uh, they need to be called out big time on this as today's environment. This is plainly unacceptable. Uh, I think a total clean out is needed in that organisation and not just focusing on the coach. Uh, thanks very much, uh, Mikey G. I've got to say, I've uh, worked alongside um, New Zealand rugby from Sky's point of view, of course, and I can't recall um, many of our guys have been reprimanded or told to button up on any issues. Uh, if they have, then they certainly haven't uh, made it very public as such. But I, I find it, I mean, it's, 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 not, it's almost a, goes against freedom of the press, doesn't it, when, when you start to, to, to look at uh, the media and say, well, we didn't like what you said the other day, so you are 
uh, you're on notice, you're you're on watch. Uh, we're, you know, we're monitoring what you're saying. So uh, I, I find that pretty unacceptable, really. I think powerful organisations uh, should have a. Uh, an accountability uh, about them, and certainly in this country, um, it it should be, it should be that uh, the rugby union are open to all sorts of scrutiny and, and criticism, etc. Because to be honest, eighty percent, eighty five percent of what's uh, written and said about rugby is generally pretty good because we win, don't we? And we perform pretty well. Um, every now and then, you're going to get ten to fifteen, or you're going to fifteen percent, or you've got to get a, a little cycle where things are not going too well. Uh, and you've got to run with the punches, I'm afraid, NZR. You, you simply have to. Uh, Hamish Bidwell needs to find some joy in his life. <laughs> so down in the dumps about the rugby, the cricket, that's not cricket, and what, not watching the Commonwealth Games. How could he be so critical of the sevens without watching? Cheer up, mate. It's uh, from Squid. <coughs> Excuse me, but I, I know Hamish is, um, is, uh, watches a lot of sport very, very closely. Uh, but some things uh, he just doesn't invest in, and that, that's fine. You can't uh, um, you can't be expected to to watch and be uh, opinionated on absolutely everything. Um, so yeah, here's one from Steve. Typical New Zealand mentality: the Kiwi athletes are performing well over at the Commonwealth Games, and Smithy starts the panel with the Rugby Sevens and the All Blacks. Well, yes, I did. Okay, Steve, but I'm, I'm not sure you were listening between nine and ten in the first hour, where we crossed to Birmingham on two occasions to highlight performances and look at performances of our athletes with uh, Guy Havelt and Carl Tanana. Uh, so we did make the effort to to bring the the, the plus side of things as well. Uh, into it, but um, you know the fact of the matter is, um, as is the case with the boys in the morning, the Warriors are a big talking point, win, lose or draw, and rugby is uh, still right up there in terms of uh, the way we think about things. Uh, Smithy, loving the Commonwealth Games, been up till three, uh, watching the triathlons, just very proud of the Kiwi teams. Uh, Jared, absolutely right. Uh, hi Smithy, the sevens losing is just a fine line. Drop passes, close games, yellow cards. That's not New Zealand rugby's fault. Cheers, Anthony. Okay, take that on board. Um, hi Smithy, I don't think we need to be too harsh on the sevens. I think that they both play well and introduce some new players. The semi showed how close the seven game sevens game is getting at the top level and the small margins that decide games. When you watch the World Series, a range of teams can win. It's great to watch. We are one of the best, but no guarantee who wins. JJ, thank you very much for that. 10.51 here on SCNZ. All winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. And one of Racing's biggest fans, of course, is Louis Herman Watt, uh, who was down south uh, over the last few days, but still managed to keep an eye on racing around the country, which really consisted of only the one meeting at Tarapa on Saturday. Louis, what were the highlights? Uh, Morning, Smithy. Yeah, look, the two-year-old race, the Riders Stakes, was a huge highlight. And Pacific Dragon, Tony Pike, just had this fully ready to go. So she's, she's been above average all year long. Um, she ran a huge race uh, on yeah, New Year's Day, I think it was. Yes, New Year's Day there at Ellerslie. And she had a little blip up of her car, and then she figured that out the next start there. And she's got some very important black types for her well-connected owners down there in the Riders' Stake. So she was awesome. River Run, well, I tell you, I tell you what, River Run was running through a wall under 60 kgs. 
Man, Pikey just had his team firing. Uh, Michael McNabb, you asked me, Smithy, this morning for a highlight from the year gone by. Well, there's so many, right? Like the the natural, very elegant James McDonald, Chris Waller, Don Goodwin, Nick Bashara story is one. Um, the chosen one finally breaking through for his well-deserved Group 1 victory in the Thorndon Mile. Two illicit stardom. Um, there's so many to choose from. But I just think Michael McNabb, don't look any further than the Jockeys Premiership. Here's a guy who has had to change his habits, his life, um, really, I guess, hold himself accountable to how great he wants to be. He has been riding so consistently. And that's not just about the skill set. It's the professionalism and it's all the intangibles that, you know, dealing with trainers and owners and media, et cetera, that sort of thing. And just he's the MVP of the Jockeys Premiership, but he's probably the most improved as well, as that can even be possible, Smithy. So massive shout-out to Michael McNabb. Everyone that had success last year, and I may the new racing season bring you fortune, punters. Yep, absolutely. And uh, that'll mean we're taking money off the TAB, if that's the case. And Paul Mowati joins us from the TAB. Um, Paul Mowati, I was just wondering about the level of betting on the Commonwealth Games. Is it healthy? Oh, it certainly is, Smitty. They're uh, getting stuck in. Uh, no surprises. They're back in Kiwis, left, right and centre. Um, and so it's been a pretty good uh, start to the Commonwealth Games for Kiwi punters out there uh, with well, Clearbert picking up a gold, the track cyclist picking up golds um, just about every second or third hour. So it has been very well backed. I'm just looking at some of the things we've got coming up over the next few days. The men's time trial on Thursday. Uh, our best hope there, Aaron Gate, he's at $26 to win that. Uh, Rohan Dennis, the favourite, the Australian at 227 Garrett Thomas, uh, the Welshman, at 282 um, Just looking a wee bit further down the page. Oh, the Giants-Cubs game today uh, kicks off at about 10 minutes. Giants have been very, very well backed at a dollar fifty-three. Biggest bet there, a nineteen hundred dollar bet on the Giants at a dollar fifty-three. Okay, Paul Moati there from the TAB with uh, chances, and yes, uh, there is money to be made at the Commonwealth Games. You might have done some uh, on the sevens, though. To be perfectly honest, it is uh, coming up to eleven o'clock. Uh, Araha here with the news, and Andrew Voss after that on the NRL. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. So Johnson going to the left, getting the extra man. It looks like Storm broke early. It's a wide pass. Here's Cossie. He's going to go in for three. Is he? Yes, he is. In the left-hand corner. They needed something, and they got it. Cossie gets a hat-trick, and the Warriors claw back the deficit with a four-pointer. Well, that was our very own Sam Hewitt uh, commentating on the Warriors' second homecoming game at Mount Smart Stadium for SCNZ, where Ed Cossie picked up a hat-trick of tries. Uh, we're 20 rounds down in the NRL, and while the Melbourne Storm got their win over the Warriors to get the monkey off their back, there's been plenty of controversy around foul play, with one incident requiring Josh Curran to see a dentist after his teeth were left in pieces. Fresh from his own brekkie show on the other side of the Tasman at SENZ, uh, sorry, SEN 1170 in Sydney, uh, we're joined by the voice of Rugby League, uh, Andrew Voss. Fossey, good morning to you. You called the game with possibly the greatest interest of the round. That was the Sea Eagles against the Roosters. Uh, I just need to know uh, really what your impressions were after all the controversy of the week leading up to it. Uh, thank you, Smithy. Good morning. Yeah, just a run of the mill weekend again in Rugby League. Rugby League. What are we going to talk about? 
Look, I've got to say, I think, and I made an observation during the game, I thought Daly Cherry Evans was playing mentally exhausted, and I think that was all of us. Like, we'd just been hammered. This was this story was all-encompassing, and the, the, the second half just fizzled. Man, it was the one of the worst second halves, of one of the worst halves of football I've seen this year. It was horrible. There was only one try with three minutes ago. I think we were, we were just over it. I, I know we shouldn't be. It's a serious issue and all of that, but I think because it was just so... Um, it just kept captivating of all of us for 48 hours or longer going into the game that we're all exhausted by the end of it. Look, it's still it's still an issue. It's going to remain an issue. It doesn't go away. Um, and and the the one thing I don't understand with the seven players, I still don't actually know what they're opposed to, and I don't say that lightly. So what the, the club wore the jersey. Now these players need to understand the club still stands for the same principles this week, next week, next month, next year. It's just that they don't necessarily wear the pride jersey every week. So if they really have a problem with the club stand, should they should they ever play for them again? Um, and, I, and again, I'm I'm throwing that out there that these players, unless we hear publicly what they're thinking and what they're opposed to, then we are left for our minds and thoughts to go everywhere. The Manly Club stands for what it did last week and showed and wore the pride jersey, but they still stand for the same principles this week. So are the players happy to take a, play, a paycheck from the club this week if they're at a club that stands for something they're so, so against via their religious beliefs? It's a, it's, it's a big discussion, but gee, I'd love it if, Smithy, we could just talk about football and injuries and controversies and all those sorts of things on the field. It was interesting because uh, I, I read an article uh, which basically, I, I think, finished it off where the players had, had basically um, had come forth and said, look, here's the thing. Uh, it was the, the way you went about it. Uh, it was, you know, you didn't involve us in the discussions. That's that's what hurt us. That's what put us off. I mean, really? Yeah, well, that have made a difference. <laughs> yeah, well, that have made a difference. Yeah, well, you know, that's just such a that's just such a buck pass. That for mine, you know, that's my honest opinion there. That and, and yet and yes, they should. The players should have been told that it's coming up. But they are. It's not like they have input in it. No, this is where the club stands. It's not some radical stance that the club's taken, something they're doing, they're not getting players to speak there. They had, a, they had three players used in a photo opportunity in the jumpers pre the match. Um, no, no, I can't accept that. And, and it, look, it's going to be a story revisited. It'd be a story that we revisit with every club. You know, if any club decides to wear a pride jersey, I suppose they're going to have to tackle this issue if those are of similar religious beliefs. So it ain't going away, this particular story. But as I said, I, I think we all copped so much of it last week. We're probably relieved in some senses um, to be talking about, you know, uh, send-off controversy and those sorts of things and upset results. So where does that leave uh, Manly now in terms of the comp? Oh, like, well, in, in very dangerous ground. I mean, look, it's, a, it's such a tight race down the bottom of the eight with the, the Roosters and... The Raiders, the, the Dragons are gone. I think we can say they're out of contention, Smitty, um, and their points differential's terrible. But Manly would need... Well, Destiny's out of their hands. Once you drop out of the eight, you're now relying on teams ahead of you to um, to, to, to slip, and you have to keep winning. And because it, it was like a four-point game, because you're playing one of your challenges, you know, you lose, they win, they get ahead of you. So that that's a problem for Manly. Um, it's... Uh, it's 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 a tightly fought race. I saw enough in the first half from the Roosters to say they finish in the top eight. So perhaps I saw enough in the game on the field that the Roosters will snuff out any chance Manly have anyway. The Roosters will keep on winning, and Manly, you know, even if they did keep on winning, but if the Roosters keep on winning, it mightn't be good enough. 
Okay, let's uh, can we uh, just have a quick look at uh, the Warriors' performance as such. Uh, early on in the game, it, it uh, looked like Nelson Asafa Solomon had got away with it after his uh, hit on Wade Hegan, breaking, breaking several of his teeth. Uh, but he has avoided being charged by the match review, uh, match review committee. Did you have a, uh, have a look at that? Were you watching the same evidence, if you were? I'm yet to find anyone outside of the match review committee who doesn't believe he should have been charged. I mean, I had Cameron Smith on my program this morning, Greg Alexander. Andrew Johns was very strong about it yesterday. He was, saving Jake say, months, months out of the game. So these guys aren't silly. You know, they've been around the game, the football game all their life, and they see a problem with the tackle. How can the match review committee be so different to some of the greats of our game? Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a big one from the weekend. And I think we are entitled to explanation today on it. From, you know, Graham Inslee has his Monday review. I think we're entitled to hear an explanation as to why um, there would be no charge at all there. Um, and, and then you have on the other end of the scale, I mean, the previous week, Corey Riddell, top five matches for, you know, dangerous contact around the face of Tino Fasil Malawi. Then you have Thomas Burgess the other night. Like, that was, was that was that really a send-off? Like, yes, he's been charged, but it's very minor. But was it... Was it was it a send-off? I didn't think it was a send-off offence, given how few and far between we have send-offs. So I, I was staggered by that. I think, I know we go back to this well many times, but boy, oh boy, we struggle, don't we? we it's the, it's the, the most consistent thing about match review, send-offs, sin-bidding and all of that is the inconsistency, Smitty. And nothing changes. Nothing changes um, year in, year out. Uh, you know, Peter Volandi said it would get better well, it hasn't got better. It hasn't. Simply hasn't. No, it hasn't. And um, it's, it, as you say, it's a weekly occurrence. So the Storm winning 24-12 in the end, which um, I guess it just stopped the bleeding a wee bit from their point of view. They still currently sit, uh, what, fourth equal, uh, 10 behind the Panthers. Yeah. So have you see anything in that performance? They're not performance back, that, they? uh, they're, they're not back. No. Melbourne's not no. back. Um, but but it, it was vital that they got the two points. Okay, right, uh, let's uh, look at uh, the Tigers uh, loaning out uh, star winger David uh, Nofoaluma to the Melbourne Storm for the rest of the season. The Tigers, in their own right, um, have turned a, a bit of a corner. Yeah, well, well, obviously should have beaten the Cowboys last week. They should be two from two from the past two weeks and they play Newcastle this Sunday. Um, so they can avoid the wooden spoon. They can just keep on winning. But on the David Nofoaluma one, look, it's with the total... Um, blessing of the Tigers, so how can you criticise what's unfolded, but it's just the principle of it, as a fan, hard to get your head around how the team coming last helps out the team you know, that was one of the Premiership favourites <laughs> you know, how does that, how does that work? Um, and, and all it is is just you know, a bit of financial kickback and, and money and that sort of thing, but surely to the Tigers fans, avoiding the wooden spoon is as important to them right now as it is to the Tigers, uh, to the Melbourne Storm making the top four, they're fighting their different battles so you'd like to think Nathan Norfoluma, as a senior player at the club, even if he's not playing first grade, he's got something to offer, doesn't he? Like he's part of the, he's part of the group, and you loan him out for a few weeks, five weeks to help the Melbourne Storm. So, you know, I suppose I'm, I'm opposed to the, um, I'm opposed to the principle of that, just as a fan, but hard to argue when the Tigers have given it their blessing. So, that's all. Good performance, uh, just the same though. Uh, the Broncos have been pretty warm this year. Uh, the Tigers under their new uh, coaching hierarchy as such, uh, they look they look good. I mean, it's like, uh, why didn't we do this earlier? <laughs> oh, look, I'll tell you the question mark out of the game, and I called it with, you know, Corey Parker, man who played 347 games for the Broncos. There's a little current undercurrent of concern in Brisbane 
that some of the success is going to their head. There's been a lot of social media postings out having a good time at this and that, that, you know, the Cameron Smiths of this world will tell you that, no, no, you know, five weeks out from the season, six weeks out from the end of the season and you're in with a crack, you bunker down, you have senior players, get them together and say, right, we make a pact now, we limit that, it's all about the football. You make your sacrifices, you know, we're, we're going to cut right back on the on the socialising and that sort of thing and it's all about the football because we've got ourselves in a position where we might even win the comp. So maybe they're a little loose at the moment and that's something that Kevin Walters will need to address because... The game I watched the other night featured a side that just wanted it more. You know, there was more desire, there was harder running from the Tigers than there was from the Broncos. So it was a bit disappointing for Brisbane the other night. It was a, a really good match, and I, I thought this would be one of the matches of the round, actually. Uh, the Sharks 21, the Rabbitohs 20 at Shark Park, with Nico Hines getting the Sharks over the line. Um, but uh, you, you've got to like what you're seeing from the Sharks at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, what Craig Fitzgibbon has done, you know, right from the start. Look, look they play a bit like he like he played, you know, and, and um, he's uh, he's done a terrific job with that team. They've been very good right from the early matches in the season um, and, and probably have still got room for improvement, yes, me. You know, they're still improving. That's why they're a danger. And given their draw, they no longer play any top eight sides. They can finish second, you know. They, they can finish second. So the Sharks are... Um, the Sharks are more than just, uh, you know, thereabouts. They, they are a genuine contender if they stay on track at the moment for the next five weeks, go into the finals with some serious momentum, win the first week, and then you're only one match away from the grand final. What a season for a club that didn't make the eight last year. Right, the uh, interesting result of the weekend too, um, and gee, it's hard to take a, 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 an accurate read on the LC stays, but they pulled on five tries. The first half, I mean, uh, that was an incredible performance, 34-10. Yeah. Uh, so Brad, Brad Arthur thrilled about that, surely. Yeah. Oh, look, and, and it's worth noting, they were playing very well when Nathan Cleary was sent off. They were in front, so it wasn't just a matter of they didn't win. They, they were going to win because they're down to 12 men. I, who's to know what would have happened if it stayed 13 on 13? But what I did know is that Parramatta were going better than Penrith when Cleary was sent off. Not by a whole way, but, but they were going better, so... And they've proven they can step up for big games before. It's probably the most frustrating thing for Brad Arthur, that he's a side that, you know, loses games they're expected to, to win or, you know, they just, but they have this really good performance in them. So the question mark continues to hover over them, but they've proven that on any given day, they can really get up and play a good game. And they did it again the other night, albeit the second half was, you know, foot off the pedal, um, clearings out of a bludger, really, the second half in terms of what Parramatta had hoped to see. So the, uh, he's taken the uh, the early plea by the sounds of things, uh, Nathan Cleary. Yeah. Uh, he gets yeah. five weeks. Five weeks. Um, is that significant, uh, you feel, in the context of of uh, the last few rounds? I thought five five or six would have been what I would give. It was a, Nathan did everything wrong here. It's Often in these dangerous tackles, the attacking player... Uh, can contribute to it, you know, movement and that. But no, Nathan took the, the grip between the legs, he lifted, and he drove. So that's why there's great concern. So five or six weeks um, was right in terms of that suspension. OK, so um, does that mean the Panthers are under some sort of threat? I mean, could the Cowboys run them down late here? Uh, the Cow- oh, oh. Well, Luai and Cleary out. Now, you'd like to think six points is a big enough buffer. And, and you know, they're you know, still a terrific side, Penrith. 
But, um, look, I, I think they'll still get there. But the Cowboys, again, there's another side, like the Sharks. Their form's real. There's nothing, there's nothing fluky or lucky. There's nothing soft raw about it for the Cowboys, really. I mean, people have said they haven't done a lot of trips to Sydney and some of their matches and what have you. But, you know, their defence is real. Their defence will carry them a long way in this competition. Um, they're a threat as well, you know, and, and beat it, they finish first, second. Look, they're going to finish top four, the Cowboys. So, therefore, they have, this, they have the second chance. Right. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard, but last week, uh, Katie Brown absolutely stitched up our own Mark Stafford with a fake Wayne Bennett call. Uh, you wouldn't tolerate that, mate, would you? Not at all. No, uh, no, no, no. Fake calls. That's not my go. That's not my go in rugby league vernacular. Not my go. That sort of thing. And, and certainly not um, trying to uh, impersonate God, Wayne Bennett. There's no way to do that. You'd go to hell if you did that. <laughs> you go to hell. What have you made of the first few days of the Commonwealth Games from Australia's point of view? Uh, top, uh, top the medal table. 22 gold medals um, and the women's rugby sevens winning gold today. But, no, look, we, we are hailing, um, if, if our audience isn't across the efforts of Emma McKeon, uh, Emma McKeon now is the most successful athlete in the history of the Commonwealth Games in terms of gold medals won. And, and she'll win some more. So she won the 50 freestyle this morning. She's now won 11 gold medals at Commonwealth Games. Um, she's an amazing, an amazing sports person. Uh, Emma McKeon uh, from Wollongong, uh, south of Sydney, home of well, one of the homes of the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Um, and uh, it's just an incredible, you know, what they, people talk about the Commonwealth Games. You know, it's not the Olympics. It's second rate and all of that. But Emma McKeon would probably be winning gold at the Olympics right now if it was on, and, and Australia had the 4 by 200 freestyle today. Well, they set a world record. Can't do any better than that, can you, Smithy? So, you know, um, the Commonwealth Games, it's on. Good luck to the families and the athletes. It's been a tough couple of years, so good to see that some of the you know, athletes have their families there to watch them perform live too. I think that's a, a real plus. And did I see uh, Emma McKeon involved in some sort of relationship scandal? Did it hit the headlines oh, over the weekend? Absolute, What's that? It's absolute BS, all of that. There's too much coverage. It's clickbait, Smithy. Um, so, so Emma McKeon, well, she was once with Kyle Chalmers, a 100, you know, top Australian male sprinter. Um, but now, these days, her boyfriend is Cody Simpson. And people have tried to, you know, bleed that out that... Kyle Chalmers, because he's competing in some of the same events at this hotel, I don't even want to go any further to it. It's crap. Kyle Chalmers is, is a solid, great team man and an outstanding swimmer. Cody Simpson's a remarkable story, and Emma McKean's an absolute champion. They've got their private lives. I'd, I'd rather that stays private, and um, they're competing there for Australia, both individually and, and spurring each other on. So play on. Okay, so um, in both the men's and women's hockey... Uh, you may well be aware that New Zealand and Australia are clashing very shortly. How are you going to handle a double uh, double whammy by us knocking you over there? How, what, what kind of reaction will that got? Yeah, the, the line just dropped out there, Smithy. Um, yeah, you're obviously talking uh, back on the rugby league. Yeah, no, you're right. Parramatta's performance was outstanding um, in that first half, and, and you know they, they, they showed they've got it in them. Good performance. Yeah, sorry, Smithy, the line dropped out. I didn't hear what you asked there. Yeah, okay, fair enough, uh, Voss. He quite clearly can't hear us anymore, folks, so we'll, we'll let him go. We won't try and call him back. <laughs> we just hope, because he can't hear us, we just hope that he has a, a good remainder of the week and we look forward to his rugby league calls next weekend. Um, uh, no, but it's a, chance we, it's a shame we didn't get a chance to say goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there you go. It's 11.19 here on SENZ. I haven't, I've got to say, Logan, I haven't heard... Um, the, the Katie Brown stitch up on staff and I would like to think you get some, some kind of protection from your producers 
in these sorts of things being absolutely um you know held out held out in front yeah like it's like for instance here's the thing it's the equivalent of like having um you know the the, the milk or in the old days and the or the sunday paper in the letterbox right and it's six o'clock in the morning on a sunday morning and the letterbox is only three to four yards away from your front door right <laughs> and you're naked and you're naked right and you think shall i shan't i oh hell six <laughs> in the morning you get out to the letterbox right and all of a sudden you just hear that click behind you and the door shuts behind you and it's locked, right? Okay? That's the kind of empty, horrible, exposed feeling that I would feel if I was Mark Stafford over that. Why, what, what is it about you people that want to stitch you guys up like that? That, that is just such an Aussie thing, though, isn't it, Smithy? Um, gosh, I definitely, I'm. I don't know if Sammy was in on that, or if that was a purely Katie Brown uh, moment of genius. It was very, very good. It got, it got staff uh, well and truly thinking he was chatting with uh, Dolphins coach Wayne Bennett. But if you haven't heard it, folks, make sure you go listen to it on the, the SCNZ uh, app or podcast, or it's all up on our social media as well, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, great job there by Katie Brown to line that up. Smithy, I would like to think that if it came to it, I'd have you back in that moment and we wouldn't have a fake yeah. caller. I would like to think that. Okay, well, we'll just uh, monitor that very, very closely. Incidentally, around 21 games this week uh, start on Thursday night with the Roosters against the Broncos. Uh, interesting one there. The Broncos probably bounce back after losing, you'd think, to West Tigers. Storm against the Titans. Well, the Storm should dominate that. The Titans have had a woeful season. Um, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the Seagulls against the Eels, will those guys be accepted back into the dressing room? Will it just be business as normal against the Eels, who, as Vossi said, are impossible to pick on a weekly basis? Uh, Rabbitohs against the Warriors. So the Warriors have to cross the Tasman yet again. Not sure uh, they'll get too much change out of that because the Rabbitohs actually sit at the moment in around about seventh spot. Uh, they're on 24. They're two points ahead of both the Roosters and the Raiders. Uh, and they're two behind the Eels and the Broncos. Now's the time you want to start cementing yourself in that top eight situation. Uh, this is a game that uh, the Rabbitohs cannot afford to, to uh, drop to the Warriors. The Raiders against uh, the Panthers, you think there'll be a bit of bounce back from the Panthers, but what about the absence? Uh, they're going to have to redress uh, everything about their tactics and uh, those key players uh, around the playmaking role. No Nathan Clear, he's probably the best going around in the NRL on a weekly basis, not going to be there. So we'll see how uh, they address that particular issue. Sharks against the Dragons. Sharks will win that. Uh, the Bulldogs against the Cowboys. Um, Cowboys sit, uh, as I said, they sit six points behind the Panthers. Uh, so they won't want to be dropping them now. And if uh, the Panthers uh, slip up again, uh, the Cowboys were to win this uh, weekend. That would get with only be four, with Cleary out for another four weeks after that. Mm, very interesting. Uh, and then the West, uh, they'll knock over the Knights without any trouble at all. Uh, and that was Vossi's uh, call on that one too. 11.23 here on SENZ. Smithy's Metal Tally Update. Give your tech the winning edge of this Commonwealth Games with the experts at Noel Leeming. Yep. Brilliant performance uh, so far from New Zealand's point of view has seen us register 10 golds. Absolutely magnificent. Five silver, four bronze on the back of uh, two bronze medals this morning for the sevens team so we currently sit third on the medal table uh, behind uh, Australia who as you would imagine are starting to dominate 22 goals are always strong in the pool uh, 13 silvers and 17 bronze and of course England 
are uh, sitting there in second place as the host nation with a massive team. But uh, as always, we can uh, be very proud of uh, where we're at at the moment on the medal table. So uh, we'll keep uh, updating you on a daily basis, but uh, some wonderful, wonderful performances, and I think probably ahead of budget at this particular point. Uh, A couple of texts uh, have also come in as well. Uh, Smithy, why did the coach let Woodman have that hair out in braids? If she had tied it up, uh, she would have scored that try in the last minute, and they would have potentially won. So stupid. Braids would have to be the easiest things to grab onto. That's Ben, Benjamin. Uh, thanks very much uh, for that, Ben. So, yeah, uh, that's the second text that has uh, come in as well. Uh, happened to be at the, uh, cheers, JD. Happened to be at the James Cook and Wellington Smithy. Had a to wrap the Dominion. Oh, right, here we go. Uh, happened to be at the James Cook and Wellington Smithy. Had to wrap the Dominion around me and the front up to reception for a key. <laughs> I know. Oh, well, I don't know from personal experience, uh, JD, but I know what you're getting at there. Uh, yep, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I won't ask you the circumstances, JD, as to how you ended up being naked uh, and having to grab the Dominion to go and get back into your room. We won't push that, but um, yeah, I can understand uh, exactly where you're coming from there. Uh, uh, Patty says, um, Hey, Smithy, you seem surprised that NZR have had these chats and averted commas with journalists. Are you actually surprised? New Zealand media have been muzzled by the NZR for years. I'm surprised you have had, uh, you have had not had one. I'm sure, though, if you speak the truth on a Sky broadcast, you'd get one. But instead, the Sky pundits all cheerlead for the NZR. If you want a really good example of journalists asking hard questions, watch any of, of the league shows from across the ditch. Just my opinion, Paddy. Absolutely take that on, on board, Paddy. We, um, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. Uh, they are a powerful body, New Zealand rugby, and um, their business is uh, quite a competitive one to secure. So if you go down the, the line of looking at them closely and trying to get involved deeply into what they're up to, you've had to have your facts uh, all right, your ducks in a row as such. That would be uh, my suggestion to that. 11.31 here on SENZ, which means it's uh, 0800 150 811 time. 0800 150 811 your chance to stump Smithy for the first time this week. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it is time for Stumped on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith and producer Logan. It's a brand new week. $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs today, Smithy. Uh, we haven't had much luck here lately. How you thinking... Tides might change? Oh, look, I'm not holding out my hopes, to be honest. Some of these categories that you're coming up with are just surprising me. And uh, as I repeat, on a number of occasions, I just find it very hard uh, to exhaust my memory bank in a lot of these things. So a lot of it's guesswork. Uh, but I, I, sometimes I think that, um, you know, I might get a run. I'm looking forward to a, a, a great run where we can get it up to a couple hundred bucks. We shall see. Who have we got this, uh, to start off this week, and what are we uh, looking at in terms of subjects? I'd love a run of stumpings here, Smithy. Uh, first up, we ha- we're going to probably my favourite part of New Zealand, and that is Queenstown. Todd, come in, mate. How you doing? Yeah, doing good. How's, how's things down your way? Uh, chilly, but uh, yeah, nice. Nice oh. sun's out. Well, being, being an Aucklander, I will not complain about how cold it is uh, to South Islanders. Uh, you know how the game works, mate. Yeah. 
All right, so the topics today that I know Smithy is waiting patiently for are basketball, boxing, or the Commonwealth Games. Take your pick. Uh, I'll give basketball a nudge. Oh, all right. Guess our Commonwealth Games is going to get a little bit of a break today. Here we go. Very good luck to you both. First question for you, Todd. Shay Ely has re-signed with Melbourne United for two more years. Which ANBL team did Shay play for before joining United in 2019? Uh, the Breakers. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yep, Breakers is the answer, and it's a signing that still hurts me to this day, Smithy. Agreed. All over that, I was too. All over that, yeah, that, was, that was strange to see that one happen, but... That hurt. Okay, just like that hurt a wee bit too. Question two. All right, question two. The New Zealand Breakers have announced the signing of import Gerald Brantley. We had we had uh, Modi Maor on the show last week to talk about this. Which NBA team drafted Gerald in 2019? Oh, I want to say the Sacramento Kings. One of the worst things... I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Don't know too many people aside from Hugh Bainan who are into the Sacramento Kings. Smithy, over to you. Um, look, I'm, I'm not 100% sure on this one either. I did read uh, the article, I've got to say, and then I completely forgot. I'll say someone like the Denver Nuggets. One of the worst things I have no. ever seen done on a cricket field. That's all right, mate. The answer I was looking for is the Utah Jazz. Most recently, Jarrell played for the LA Clippers in the NBA Summer League. Now he's coming to the Breakers. Great signing. Last question, all on the line here for you, Todd, the $50 TAB bonus bet. We're going We're going a bit more uh, closer to home here with the Sal's NBL. Who currently leads the MVP race after 13 rounds? Oh, jeepers. Ooh, yeah. Um, probably not a Kiwi, but oh. look, I'll just say sentiment. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Being that Sam Timmons plays for the Otago Nuggets, would love to say that he's in the top of the race there. He, he is in the running, but he has dropped off a little bit there. Smithy, over to you for a potential stumping. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm kind of thinking it's got to be someone out of the Nelson Giants uh, um, because they are front runners in the competition. Uh, I'm not I'm not 100% sure, mate. I, I'm not over their franchise as well, so I've, I've really just got to say... No, I don't know. I've got no idea, Logan. Uh, One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. You were on the right train of thought there, Smithy, by thinking Nelson Giants. Import guard Jared West is running is running the cutter there, and he's leading the MVP race right now. So, Todd, that does mean you, you win. You start the week with a $50 TAB bonus bet. You, uh, what do you think you might put that on, mate? Oh, I'll have to have a look. Um, might have to find a little multi in the Commonwealth Games or something. 
You do that, mate. You, you do that. Uh, stay on the line, Todd. Uh, congratulations. Nice to see 50 bucks going south to Queenstown. They need a lot of money down there. So you spend it wisely, yeah. my friend, and uh, stay, list- stay listening for another opportunity. Thanks for taking part. Thanks. Very hollow victory, I'll say, though. I've only got one right. <laughs> Most of them are against me, mate. I can promise you that. Uh, Todd from Queenstown, uh, uh, winner here. First up uh, for this week on Stump Smithy. Another one tomorrow morning around about... 11.29, uh, 11.30, we'll push for calls there. Uh, interesting, though, to see uh, Shane Van Gisbergen absolutely smashing, dominating. Another clean sweep at the latest round of the Australian supercars in South Australia. Uh, he won his fourth and fifth races in a row. Uh, those uh, wins also help hold in with the 2022 Manufacturers Award. Van Gisbergen has won 14 of 23 races this year. Can you believe it? Uh, has already matched his career best tally that he set last year with 11 races remaining. Van Gisbergen is now a a serious threat to uh, Scott McLaughlin's season wins record, which was 18, which he achieved back in 2019. Uh, The other thing which is of interest, and I'm I'm not a big UFC fan, I I didn't think for one second that uh, Juliana Pena had any chance of uh, repeating her surprise victory over Amanda Nunes, and that actually came to fruition. Uh, the Nunes is the greatest women's fighter in MMA history, reclaimed the UFC bantamweight title uh, that she lost uh, back in December. Uh, Pena was knocked down multiple times and sustained a large cut to her head. Brazilian Nunes won by a decision. And uh, Dana White, who's uh, a genius, this bloke, uh, said Juliana's got a big chunk missing from her forehead. Uh, she's going to see a plastic surgeon and she'll take some time to heal. And then I don't know. But I put a lot of money in the bank as a result of that. Don't worry about it. Uh, and we'll continue to, to see uh, who will line up next time. And also, incidentally, Kaikara Vance. Yeah, we touched on it um, earlier in the show. Um, uh, he was uh, on the receiving end of uh, a couple of punishing blows. And he went down to Mexican Brandon Moreno in his uh, flyweight title fight. So bad news for the New Zealand interest in uh, that particular side of uh, UFC 277. We'll be back very shortly. Uh, 11.46 here on SENZ. And and yesterday on um, our program, uh, we spoke to uh, Josh Sims on the rugby run. Um, After his reflection on uh, that very comfortable, um, as you would expect, 95-22 win over Poverty Bay in the Ranfurly Shield Challenge. Uh, And this was what Josh Sims said uh, about his uh, NPC title hopes. I have to say, Josh... uh it's looking a pretty tight competition overall. <laughs> are you? Are you yeah. guys are in the odds conference. Can you hand on heart pick the uh, eight quarter finalists? No, no. I think, I think you're. Uh, you know, the, there'll be some. There'll be some obvious, obvious teams that'll that will be in that middle ground and, and battling around. And some, you know, like previous years, one or two teams will clear out. And then, um, look, I think our objective's pretty honest. You know, we. We want to make the eight, um, and then just like everyone else, you got to win three games from there, um, and that's you know that's the nature of it. You win three games in October, you win the competition, and it's it's you know it's something that Hawks Bay's never done. So you know we'd like to change that and and, and win a premiership. Yeah, well, I've got good depth in their squad, um, but whether they've got access to all those players all the time, uh, certainly Philip Fokotava is unlikely to spend too much time in the black and white hoop jersey this year. But I uh, saw Brad Weber on show at the weekend. They uh, look very, very impressive, very sharp as well. 
Um, and they might just uh, hopefully get a little bit of Brody Retallick when he recovers uh, and is uh, able to perhaps uh, play a little bit of rugby. They might uh, wean him back in uh, to uh, All Black Rugby by giving him uh, an outing or two for Hawks Bay. That would be nice for the fans. Uh, but just looking at the draw for this weekend, uh, of course it starts on Friday night. Uh, Manawatu hosting Canterbury. Counties uh, Monaco and Otago on Saturday. Uh, Waikato host Hawks Bay on Saturday as well. And uh, the triple header, we'll also see Auckland playing North Harbour in the Battle of the Bridge. That's uh, Saturday, 7.05. Uh, and then to complete the round, there's two matches on the Sunday with uh, Taranaki against Northland. Um, and then Wellington uh, hosting Bay of Plenty. That's the last game of the round, 4.35 at Sky Stadium. So uh, plenty to, uh, to look forward to uh, in that regard. Uh, a couple of uh, texts uh, have come and if you watch the World uh, Sevens World Series men's and women's you'll be aware New Zealand didn't participate for the full season unlike Aussie, Fiji and uh, South Africa and it's a factor in them both not getting the result that they wanted uh, not enough top level comp unlike the others uh, thank you much uh, Aaron for that input um, to be fair this is uh, from Simon who's come in a couple of times this morning uh, he's uh, said to be fair all companies and organisations control the message and there's a hell of a lot of subjective opinion being thrown around that's on the subject of uh, New Zealand rugby muzzling the media or trying to muzzle the media in certain areas and pulling them in from time to time and saying we're not happy with you um, and uh, this is what we need you to say sort of things which is uh, it's, it's something that um, I'd heard a little bit about but something I wasn't that fully aware of to, the, to that extent. Uh, Simon has also said uh, Gates has no chance don't be fooled into funding the TAB by backing him. So to 26 bucks is that uh, what Paul Mawati alluded to um, a little earlier on in the piece. So, yeah, thanks for your uh, texts and your phone calls this morning. It's uh, been fantastic. Uh, we'll take a short break. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking to Mr Mark Stafford, uh, his show coming up at midday. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.